And it's he like took a sip. What? It's like four o'clock over there, isn't it? No, it's two. I'm behind you. I always forget. I don't know which way the sun goes. I don't Why know how. <laughs> it goes west, but um, yeah, you know how I remember that is at the end of um, Shanghai Noon with um, Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan, and Owen Wilson. Yeah. At the end, the he goes, the sun rises in the east, but it sets in the west, and then he like kills the bad guy or something. I didn't see that movie. That's a cool line, though. I've been doing this thing where I have been trying to start the show where I can, like, intermingle our uh, our theme song, but I don't know if it's functioning, 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 functioning. Examples of functioning: navigational sensors aren't functioning. Glad to see you still fully functioning. You know what I've been doing recently? I, I So after Spotify wrapped, dropped, and Spotify basically told me that I've been depressed all year because I've yeah, listened to cool. nothing but Jason Isbell. Mine was Jason Molina, the sad, the two sad Jasons. <laughs> yeah, I had, I, I had on my top five songs, four of them were Jason Isbell and then one of them was American Aquarium. So I've, I've stopped listening to music with words altogether and i've only listened to um chants chanting playlists and uh, this playlist uh that's like i think it's 538 hertz is the music something I, it's i don't know what maybe there's like music nerds out there that know what i'm talking about but it's all like the music is at 538 hertz is it so just, just been, what is it just droning no 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 it's like it it feels very new agey um is it like uh there's this new thing i think it's like green noise or something like that there's like white noise brown noise and green noise and i think that's it's no this is like there's there's there is some kind of lyricism to it like some this guy shout out animal a-N-O-M-A-L. <laughs> but he's got this playlist that's just his music that he's put out that's at, it's made at 538 hertz. And supposedly that's a good frequency to put in your mind. So I, I gotta, I, I just gotta stop putting in depressing, mm -hmm. sad bastard music and hip hop. It's hard to get out of that. I, my yeah. Spotify rap was, it was like Jason Molina, Songs Ohio which is his like super sad, mm. super, super sad, like hangover sad stuff. And then it was Magnolia Electric Company, which is like his not as sad stuff, <laughs> like more country inspired. Like I think Magnolia Electric Company is like on a Jason Isbell level. Okay. Where, where, <laughs> and then like where like Songs Ohio, it's like if you heard me listening to it, you'd be like, are you okay? Right. Uh, <laughs> did I call someone? And then it was like, it was like one, two, three. It was like all, and then it was like Jason Molina's solo stuff, which is even more like, I'm going to call someone. And then four was Princess Nokia. <laughs> it was this like, you know, like non-binary rapper from Brooklyn uh, and like super fun. Like her pop, her like her best song is like uh, just her, like it's called Tomboy. It's just her going around saying her little titties and fat belly. It's very fun stuff. Completely opposite of what I listened to. And then totally. five was Smog. 
which is the band that Jason Molina was in before he came out on his own. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know if that, yeah, it's, it was all the same. And it was because I, I used to go to sleep to that and wake up to that and walk around to that. It's, you know, you get stuck in that shit. You get stuck in that sad loop. And then when you start listening to happier music, you're like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to get out of it. Yes. That's, that's the thing. That's what's kept me listening to Jason Isbell for so long is the, like, I'm so, it's kind of like with drinking. Like I'm too, I'm so attached to this type of music. I'm, my identity is almost wrapped up in this sad bastard tune. Like I, I like driving at night. I'm not, I'm still sober, but I'm, I, I could go to a bar right now. It could like, you know, I got something in my heart where my wife has left me always. Um, <laughs> but, but then you start listening to like nicer music and yeah, you have that kind of reaction where you go, am I, is this me? Is this who I am? Yeah. I mean, Maybe it's hard. already. Yeah. I mean, especially when you listen to like cover me up. Yeah. And you, like your day with cover me up and you're just like sitting in your bed, writhing, you're lonely, or you're mm-hmm. like driving to work and then, you know, you got to get out of the car and like, good morning. And you're like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm just used to faking it, I guess. I started listening to a lot of um, Spanish music because I'm trying to teach myself Spanish. No, that's good. I found some like really good like Colombian kind of bops. Mm-hmm. That's been helping because I hate, I think I've said this on the podcast before, I, I hate when I'm listening to music and it's not about me, but when it's in another language, it's exactly, it, it, all of it's about uh, All of it's about you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate to every word. That's funny. I I got... I think that the music stuff is working because my priest came up to me today and he said, hey, you look, uh, you look good. You look happy. And I said, uh, <laughs> I said, well, is that not normal? Like, is that, is that out of ordinary? He said, well, I don't know. Like, you just, you're so broody. Uh, and, and that was like our conversation. He just left and went to eat pancakes or something. And I was just thinking, you know, maybe this is working. Maybe I'm feeling good. Uh. <laughs> you didn't like. You weren't like. Have you heard of Jason Isbell? Let me start. <laughs> Let me throw you some albums. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that it's, week it's, later, it's, and he's broody. He's like. <laughs> well, I think he should be more broody. He's Irish. That's what I thought that they were all like. But he's very like top of the morning to you type Irish. Um, he's not Irish. Irish, but he's clearly ancestrally linked. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it's really important to understand like what you're putting into your body through your ears. Like music is such a prevalent societal thing. Like m- music is everywhere. And just being aware of what the like the frequency of the music that you're putting in, what the lyrics that you're putting in, all that yeah. kind of stuff affects yeah. your mind. Yeah, that is a fact. Yeah. I uh, I was at work the other day and I, someone was talking about like what we listen to when we drive. Mm. And someone told me they don't listen to anything. Good for drive. them. I was horrified, frankly. <laughs> I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> what do I they was, do? Do they just think I, the whole way? I, I don't know. That was what scared me. I was genuinely worried about them and their own like, like, I was like, are you broken or are you 
like are you either you're either like a zen master mm-hmm. that you've reached this point where you're like so okay with your thoughts that you're just sort of like flowing with them right or you're just so broken that any music will just like trigger you into a point i don't know <laughs> i would it was like it was so abnormal to me and like i think it's because that's what my dad does my dad just drives in silence and then like clears his heart every five miles but like and it just like brought me to this like are you just like sitting in this like rage seat just driving or does music not speak to them but they they listen they know about music a little bit and they are into the arts it was at work so they're like a creative person but mm-hmm. they just drive in silence and i it's just like something that i've never conceptually if i drove in silence it's mainly because my radio was stolen <laughs> But wait, I like we've talked about this before where, you know, I'll I'll drive in silence, but it helps to like lube your mind a little bit because um, let's say oil. I don't let's not say <laughs> oil. There's other words. <laughs> it helps oil your mind a little bit. And that's when like in the car when I'm alone, no music going. That's the best time I'll, I'll have great conversations with myself. I'll do really long monologues depending like when i lived i'm moving out of the i i would have like are you broken or are you a zen master you know i don't know i don't think i'm either of those things because i'm still talking a zen master could at least be silent but i'm you know i'm in my car going you know just talking about tulpas and stuff to myself you know yeah i think that might be broken that might be Uh, broken (laughs) (laughs) i'll take that that's okay yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I run in silence. That was something, but that's different. I do that just because it's about accepting, like experiencing the world around me. Um, and I've driven in silence in old cars because then you can listen if the engine's going to die on you or not. But like, um, like there's like practical things with that. Right. <laughs> but in like a newer car where it's almost like they're almost like completely noise proof. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. Well, why don't you, like, that's a great time to really figure out what's going on with you. Like, if you sit down with yourself, you got maybe a 20-minute drive. You're in Chicago, so it's a little different. But you got a 20-minute drive, 30-minute drive, you're commuting to work. That's a great time to just sit and go, you know, Tom, what's going on with you? What's up? How are you feeling? Why are you so mad all the time? I'm talking to myself, but I'm referring to myself as you. (laughs) Well, if we go like you know back to the platonic thing, maybe I'm just uh, a picture That's, in your mind too. Are you saying you're a tulpa? Yeah, maybe I'm a tulpa. <laughs> this is tangential, but I was thinking yesterday why we were friends, and I realized that you're some forty-one, and I'm the offspring, and that's why. That's why we. That's why you're like, you know, you're like a kind of the same but different, and I'm like, you know what I mean, like. <laughs> like a, that works is it, is it no i think that's good yeah <laughs> i have been thinking a lot today about not today but recently about um abandonment broadly about abandonment i had this competition um earlier this month and i got i lost <clears throat> I, had, I had two fights i got third but I was also one of, I was, there was only three people that showed up. So, you know, I mean, I, I still, I won by showing up, which is the lesson, right? Showing up is literally most of the battle. But 
I, uh, it was interesting because I, I could feel when I was fighting these guys that I was more experienced than they were. Um, but there were like certain levels where I wasn't um, fighting for myself. Like I was giving it to them almost. And I had been really ruminating on that. And then with the end of the year coming up, um, I mean, it's literally the 31st today. Uh, I've just been thinking about how this whole journey of of this whole year and, and beyond has been just a process of learning how to not abandon myself uh, in different ways, because it was something that was I learned, right? It was like, um, you know, I learned it from my caretakers at the time who also abandoned me in a lot of different ways and like didn't stand up for me in a lot of different ways. And so I didn't stand up for myself. And I've noticed, I've noticed that it's like, it's almost on a, it's like every breath, there's a, an opportunity to stand up for myself and not abandon myself. Every thought can be adjusted in a way that gives me more, um, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase it. Agency, I guess. Right. Of, of how I am. It gives me like how I'm directing myself, right? Like how I can direct my thoughts, how I can direct my actions. And that's why I sent you that quote, uh, which I've immediately forgotten. Uh, <laughs> the, the samurai quote from the book of the five rings. That's a good book. Uh, yeah. The way you do anything is the way you do everything, which is, Interesting, because there are times when I've been like, oh, fuck this. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to do this shit. And so I kind of like slap dash it together. And it, I, I've realized that that's been the habit. And I know what you're going to say. Maybe I should be editing these podcasts a little bit more succinctly. But it, the thing is, I, I'm not slap dashing it together. This is part of my artistic journey. And maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I've been kind of focusing on that. I've been thinking about how in what ways, like that's the thing that's been interesting is that with my own sobriety, like my Christmas was super depressing. Every Christmas is very depressing to me. Hmm. Everyone leaves for a fucking week. And before that, for a whole month, everyone's like, oh yeah, what are you doing for the holidays? And then I have to like either be like, oh, I'm estranged from my family. So nothing. Or I'd just be like, oh, yeah, nothing. Or I'd be like, I'm going to stay here and just chill out. You know, I have to like either brush it off. And then everyone's like, oh, I'm going to go here. and I'm going to go see my family. Um, and then when they get back, it's always just, it's just like five. Well, there's just five days of me being by myself. Hmm. Which sounds great. But I think that's kind of the thing that made me even start this podcast is that I am so hungry for connection. I'm so like desperate. I don't want to say desperate, but I definitely, I know that there's an absence of connection throughout the, throughout the timeline of my life. And what I've been trying to do is forge these connections in this period of my life when it feels like a lot of people are already kind of like already settled in their connections, already solidified with their connections. And I have to kind of tiptoe around it while also not entirely sure how to do that, who I am to make those connections and, um, and also not abandoning myself just for that connection, which is how I've gotten in so many 
terrible relationships, terrible friendships. And the beginning of my year began with me being obscenely depressed. I like the lowest I'd ever been. And I, you know, like I had gotten out of that terrible relationship in October. My best friend, now ex-best friend at the time, fucking just like left, even though I was like, hey, I like I'm like losing my mind. I just got out of this like, you know, bad relationship where I was desperately alone for very long for a very long time. Um and then I was just alone for almost like three months. And the only people I had to talk to were people at my gym and the people in my yoga studio and my therapist. Like we weren't even talking that much back then. And I made a huge list of like what I wanted to do this year so that this doesn't happen again. Mm. Like I was like, man, my holidays next year are going to be good. And I was partially successful, which is just as great as showing up and winning third because Thanksgiving was great. I like hung out with Leah and, uh, and her friends. And we all had like a really good time. Um, Halloween was, um, okay. It could have been better, but I, I had like a really good time at work. We won like the Halloween cost, um, cost contest, costume contest as a group. Um, and so like that kind of solidified that memory. And, but like Christmas brought me right back to this like abject loneliness that I've experienced for most of my life. Mm -hmm. And I was just smoking weed and watching Lord of the Rings and crying because I had, I had no Frodo or Sam. I'm more of a, I couldn't figure out if I was an elf or a hobbit. And I think I'm a hobbit. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm an elf, a different kind of elf but I'm a hobbitish elf. You know what I mean? Okay. And so, yeah. And so I was just like spending all day just in this weird haze. It's, you know, winter in Chicago is kind of weird. Uh, there's, I haven't seen the sun in like a month, I think. Uh, <laughs> and so it was weird. And then like suddenly the day after Christmas, everyone comes back and then I'm, they're like, Oh, how was your Christmas? And I have to be like, I can't just be like, Oh, it was an exploration of abject loneliness. Uh, it was horrifying. I just had to be like, it was good. It was chill. I just, I watched a lot of Lord of the Rings. Um, here are my, you know, I, I wrote, I wrote like all of these jokes about Lord of the Rings, like that Hobbit one. Um, you know, these deflectors. Yeah. It was like, it was kind of like the accumulation of self-abandonment like not speaking up for myself, not doing the right things to connect with different people um not showing up to like classes or even showing up mentally when i'm interacting with other people um or staying present in those moments and sort of just like slapdashing my recovery together um so that it just felt like showing up was enough which in a lot of ways at first it was but i feel like i've reached a point where it's like it, there's needs to be a little bit more intentionality into it mm. And, you know, I've been taking these smaller steps all throughout the year, like starting this podcast, getting people on, hearing their stories, talking about sobriety and recovery, hanging out with you, reconnecting with like old comedy buddies like Max and shit, you know, like that all was super helpful. But there's still this ringing issue of 
self-abandonment. Like it's okay to rest actively, but I need to like know when to get up and start moving even though I don't want to. Because I, it's not about what I want now. It's about what I want later. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's been this like delicate tightrope. But I think that's like really linked to my, to why I drink. Because, you know, I think I brought up in the podcast before, like loneliness was my biggest trigger. And I had spent a lot of my life in the background, like a character to other main characters or even like a sidekick. And I'm trying to, I'm going into my Nightwing phase. I'm getting out of my Robin phase. I'm going into my Nightwing phase. Uh, But alcoholism would be Batman in that, I guess. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I don't know how that analogy works. But yeah, it's been, um, it's been an interesting thing, which is why I, you know, with, especially with like these, um, sort of recent losses from people in our past that we've been hearing about. And like a lot of just the way my life is going, it's, I've been really just ruminating on what it means to, to stand up for yourself on like a, on a molecular level, abstractly, not like literally molecular. Right. (laughs) Like getting high. Every time I got high, recently i would be like high and then i'd be like okay well now i'm high and i'm by myself and i'm watching lord of the rings and i'm scrolling reddit and i'm bored as fuck but then i will be like okay well now i have this feeling what should i do and i'll get up and i'll be like okay i guess i could go for a walk i guess i could cook some food uh, and that, that's where I'm losing a little bit of myself is in these like hours of indecision. Mm. What's the, there's a, there's a word that I can't find right now, but that indecision, it's, it's really, it's a scary concept to me is, is indecision because it's where you get stuck for years. Yeah. It's, you can get stuck for days, months, but you know, some people get stuck there for actual years where, you know, you, you've, you have the same conversation with them over and over again about, well, I could do this and I could do that and I could do this and I should do that, but I'm either scared or I'm unwilling or the money's not there or some excuse where they end up not doing anything. And I, I mean, I'm, a really good example of this because I spent years getting drunk and deciding that I would, you know, I, I would get drunk and then I would write down like I, fantasies or um, goals and set highfalutin things that I could accomplish. Um, and I'd get really jazzed up about it. And then I'd wake up the next day and it would be the same repeating loop of, well, I don't have, I don't know why I said that. That's, it's pretty lame to have goals like that, or I can't really accomplish that. I don't know who I think I am. I am, now I'm even more depressed that I even thought that that was a good idea or just like whatever. I guess I'll just go back into the bar. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I might as well just go back to the bar and then you find yourself in the yeah, same 
BS like trap. You just trap yourself in that. Yeah. It's so or much you'll easier. Be like, okay, I'm going to do all these things, but first I got to get sober. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then you realize, oh shit, that's like a big deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, I, I think a lot of it has to do with giving yourself the grace of every day acknowledging that you're you're already doing quite a bit like yeah. just by recovery and, and staying sober it's like holy crap that's a lot just like you said you don't really appreciate how much how difficult it is until you're in it and then it just keeps getting harder and then easier in some ways and blah blah, blah. and then you you start thinking well i got to do something with this energy you know i gotta i gotta i gotta do something I can't just be sober and you can, right? You can just be sober. Um, but I think that like, we've talked enough to know this about each other. It's like, you, you don't, you, you're, you're not a, like a complacent guy. You don't want to stay in a baseline. You don't want to, you don't, you don't want to plateau. You want other things. Um, and so finding ways to live with that grace of every day's hard and also just putting a little bit more on your plate each day. Um, and just trying to, yeah, I think, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted. No, no, you're fine. Cause it, I, 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 I think that that's the, that's the hard part is building your plate. But I, I think that the plate itself is sobriety and maybe not and recovery, but that's your foundation for everything else that you put on it. And for someone like, for what you've been talking about, like when Christmas rolls around and a portion of your plate goes away, like friends leaving Chicago, you still have a big plate. So it's not a huge, um, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't like, it's not a huge, it's not as big of a loss as it could yeah. be. Yeah, 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 yeah. It didn't help that I had a cold too, so I couldn't go to jujitsu. That also, so yeah, that dude, dude, getting sick like this past couple of months has been debilitating. Like I, I swear, like it was Christmas Eve and Christmas where I, I finally broke down and I told, um, my girlfriend I was like, I, I think I'm depressed because I haven't been able to do anything for a month and a half. I'm like losing my mind, and yeah. then you know after that I started getting better, but I that despair it like slowly encroaches during the holidays anyway, but you're sick and you can't do anything. It speeds I mean, up. Especially when you have COVID and you're just like, well, I could go to a coffee shop, but then I would kill everybody at the coffee shop. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll go for a walk, but I'm super tired. I guess I'll read, but I have brain fog. And it's like, I guess I'll just sit here and wait to die. You know? <laughs> like, because I had COVID last year and it was around this time too. And it was just like, fuck. Yeah. But I, I think that like that back to what we were talking about, that the way you do anything is the way you do everything in regards to the plate. I think the issue I'm having is that I have spent so much of my life disassociating mm. and in that like, oh, I'm like in that drunken state where I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have all these dreams and do that and like follow this. And, and then I wake up and I'm super hungover. And there's like a timeline where all of those things happened. And like a, there's like a, a universe mm. out there where all of those things happened. And 
And it's, and then, so I, my brain is like, oh, that's the life I'm living, but I'm not present. And I think that's what, cause it was written by, um, you know, this, this samurai warrior who I am not even going to try to say his name. Uh, well, maybe I will. Miyatomota Musashi, uh, who was like, you know, and the reason he's saying that is because he was, uh, he had won like 60 duels, like samurai fights to the death. And in those fights, you got to be present and you got to be able to react to stay alive. And that's kind of what I like about jujitsu is like, you're, that's what brought me out of my disassociated state is like, you know, if you are, if you zoom out, if you zone out for a little bit, you're going to get choked. Yeah. Or if you're doing like, if I was doing, when I was doing Muay Thai, I was like, this is, if I kind of zone out for a second, I'm going to get punched in the face. And when I was doing a bunch of yoga, I, that's all I was doing. I was just like deep into my disassociated states. Mm-hmm. And then now I've been really focused on my breathing. I've been reading this book called Breathe by James Nestor. Super good. Highly recommend it. But I've been really focused on like my nose breathing, my body, and trying to enjoy these small incremental um, things that I'm doing to widen my plate. But it's like now, but it's like, okay, but I'm also, I had complete, I used to be a really good cook in the last like five, six years or so. I have completely given up on that. And I'm like eating like chickpeas out of a can and, and like, and give me like, this is nutritious. And, but that's because I'm not present. I'm like staring at my phone, getting high, watching Lord of the Rings, uh, and is not present. I'm falling into a disassociative state. I'm letting my parasympathetic nervous system go into this like freeze state mm-hmm. and I'm not actively resting or actively healing. And the reason why he says that is that to learn how to survive in a fucking samurai duel, you have to maintain that presence in everything you do. So when you're cooking, that presence has to be involved in the act of cooking. And then, you know, while we're talking, that presence has to, you have to be here so that, because that is like a learned thing. That is like, that's, you know, it's, it's like, I'm starting to realize that everything is a muscle. And if you let something, uh, I never say this word right, right? Atrophy. If you let anything, even your own mind atrophy, it will just, it'll just, you'll lose it. Uh, Or you'll have to spend some time building it back up. And I think that's where that self-abandonment comes from is that I get to a point of presence where my body or my mind freaks the fuck out and is like, whoa, hey, we haven't like disassociated in a while. And- Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or it'll get to a point where like, like the, you know, like the fight, like my brain, instead of being like, hey, what if instead of- um, you know, my brain will freak out in the fight, which was something that I, I struggled with a lot where like my body would actually go into like a fear state and I had to like learn how to get out of that. But now my, I've trying to be more present in the fight and I'm trying to remember, but then my, my brain is not, uh, coming up with like the creative ways that I can like do something. And I'm just allowing this person to overcome me. Um, 
And that comes from being in those moments more and more through training. But I also think that comes from believing in myself that I know what I'm doing mm. and not my brain be like, because my brain will just flip out and be like, oh shit, you're about to win or you're about to do something awesome. You've never done that before. Fuck it. And then I fuck in and then I'm like, what if you did? And then I go off into this dream state. <laughs> Yeah. And then the next thing I know, I'm like, next thing I know, I have this guy, uh, you know, mounted on top of me and I'm spending the whole match trying to get him off me. And, and he's literally, his coach is literally yelling at him being like, okay, now grab his arm and put his arm. And I'm like, I, I know what he's trying to do to me. And he, this guy doesn't even know his coach is coaching him on top of me and I can't get him off of me. Uh, and like, and I think that comes from this, learned belief in myself that I don't deserve to be present. And that's what I mean by self-abandonment. And so it's, it's hard. Like even when I'm in yoga, I'll be like, uh, like I remember when I was first trying to, to stay in the moment in yoga class and I would, it would come in, it would be in like increments and I get, I would, it was almost like, I would get really annoyed. It's like we were saying about driving in silence. I would get like, I would suddenly, I like hear everything. Like I hear everyone grunting and sighing and like, like I've been riding the bus without headphones because I lost my headphones and it's just people coughing. And, and like, it's just, you know, weird, like weird sounds. And I, I get like super annoyed and I want, I get bored and I want to like, go somewhere else. And then I finally come out of it at the end of my ride. And I realize, oh, I've been clenching my teeth and I've been slouching this whole time. And now my fucking back hurts. And now I got to spend time trying to like get my, this knot out of my back because I've been slouching in this, you know, in this bus seat for an hour. And, uh, and so I've been like trying to be more present with my body by keeping my back straight, but it's just like the more, I stay present, the more challenging it becomes. And I think that's what that means is like the way you do one thing is how you do everything is that you just, you have to, I I have to learn to stay present in every moment, which is hard because a lot of my pontificating comes from my own disassociation, right? Like you were saying, like you're driving and you're talking to yourself about tulpas. Like that's, that's part of it. But I'm also like, I am like, king of daydreaming that's like part of my my job and so it's like but there is a balance there like i feel like i can daydream and like daydream with intention right Mm -hmm. which is something i've i have to do with with my job a lot and and that shit is fucking hard and i think it's because so much of my life has been uh pretty chaotic and so i the investing in any sort of intention was worthless because it would just blow up at any moment or I'd be abandoned by like other people in my life whenever I tried to get like my foot in the door of my presence or like when I tried to start something new. And so I just learned that it's worthless to even try in that way. Hmm. And so now it's about relearning uh, how to actually focus on those things and maintain that focus or not so much focus, but that presence yeah. for an, for 
longer than an hour and stuff like that. I've been doing this thing where I don't bring my computer to work or I mean, when I don't bring my computer to meetings and it's because I'll be in a meeting and next thing I know, I'm like on Facebook, I'm reading about the Mothman of Chicago. And then they're like, Jody, what do you think? And I have no fucking clue what just happened. Yeah. Uh, And that is bad. And it's like, but it's because I've spent so many hours just like in these meetings where my uh, two cents wasn't really taken any serious. It wasn't taken seriously. And so I just stopped trying, but now I'm in a new position where they actually care about what I think. And I'm have to be like, Oh fuck. Well, uh, I haven't been paying attention for the last five years of my career, so I don't know what's going on. And it's like, it's a, it's a problem, you know? And I think that all comes down to just this concept of resisting self-abandonment, abandoning self-abandonment, which could be the title of this show. <laughs> uh, there's a concept in orthodoxy called um it's the greek word is nepsis um and it means watchfulness and the idea is what you're getting at which is being very hyper vigilant as to where our thoughts are and as to what we're thinking um and the uh, this is an extreme example but in orthodoxy, especially in monastic orthodoxy, um, images in the mind are treated as almost uh, like anathema, like the the fantasies, the glitter, these mental pictures, they're, they're going to lead us astray and they're going to lead us away from watchfulness. They're going to basically what I do in my car, like they'll, they'll just capture me and take me wherever they're going to take me um, in this kind of fantastical daydreamy. And now I'm somewhere else. I'm outside of my body. I'm, I'm living, maybe I'm living in like a, uh, like a ideal state, like whatever it is, but uh, the it's, it's all to capture your mind and take you away from this state of presence, which is um, in a in a Christian sense, I guess it would be best to describe the the idea of presence being very godly, because it's still you're just aware. Your awareness is. Um, your interior awareness is amplified. Your spiritual awareness is larger and you're just, you're very, very present. Um, because you're appreciating existence. And you're just existing. Yeah. Your being is so rooted in presence that you are not just appreciating existence. You are existence in a certain sense. Um, <laughs> And, you know, the, the, the idea of like training your mind to be present for long periods of time, you know, that's what a practice of meditation is all about. And, um, and, you know, for myself, a practice of prayer, it's life is a, 
is a prayer. And so trying to stay in that constant state of presence through prayer is, I guess, trying to attain that watchfulness over yourself. Because I don't know, man, it's like the, the, the deeper I get into this whole idea of prayer being presence, the more aware it, I feel like I am of not just my own disassociating faculties or disassociating leniences, but also just the idea that disassociation kind of slips up on you through, I mean, you, just like you said, like you're on the bus and now you're somewhere else almost immediately. And yeah. then you, you come back at your stop and like, where were you the whole time? Yeah. It's almost like blacking out. It, no, it's it's exactly that. I think it's, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. And I hate that. I, that's the thing that kind of got me down this journey was that I fucking hated blacking out. And now I'm finding that, that I'm like, and I'm sober and I'm still blacking out in different ways. And I'm like, yeah. fuck. And what you just said, kind of, did you ever read Franny and Zoe? Wait, is that um, J.D. Salinger? The Jesus Prayer. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what this I'm talking about. You're talking about the Jesus Prayer. Yeah, they yeah. they bring that up. Um, let's. Can you do you know more about it? I only know it in the terms of that story. Um, so I the the book that's they reference in that book is a book that I can't recommend more. Uh, I can't recommend highly enough. It's called The Way of the Pilgrim. And it's probably one of the best books I've ever read. Um, and the idea is that, and I've, I've, I've worn this, this, we brought this up in the past, but if you have video, you can see this is a Comoschini or a prayer rope. And the idea behind the Jesus prayer is that every bead you pray the Jesus prayer. And it's in orthodoxy, in holy orthodoxy, they call it the prayer of the heart because the idea is that you pray it un ceasingly to the point where it you descend the prayer you descend your conscious awareness you descend it into your heart and that's where it lives and then at some point that this is what they've talked about i've never experienced this myself but this uh in the lives of the saints they've described the the prayer the repetition of the prayer lives on in the heart almost unconsciously at a certain point. And that's what like locking the heart watchfulness um, means where you're, again, this is like a Christian modality. So the, the name of Jesus Christ is written on your heart and also your heart kind of like pumps it into your body. You live in that presence where, you know, Jesus was present. Um, and so like you were talking earlier about the guy that sits it's in the like, or an alm. It's like it, a, it's kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like it, breathing. Though. It's it isn't the the idea of the prayer is that it it helps regulate. Well, okay. So I'm I'm just saying the physical idea of the prayer is to help regulate your breathing. That's kind of how I've always because the words yeah, you the, the, out, the yeah phrasing you match with your breath, especially if you do it internally. Um, so like but I also read recently. Sorry, I no, I also no, no. read recently that. Yahweh was actually, uh, which is the name of God by, I guess, uh, Jewish tradition, I guess. So. Israelites, yeah. Yeah, but it was actually not, the the vowels weren't in there mm -hmm. uh, from what I've read. It was just, and it was actually just an exhale and inhale was 
I think that's in that James Nestor book I was reading. And it's almost like they're always saying like, when you say the name of God, uh, you'll bring like great power or, or things like that. But really it's like, from what I'm hearing, it's like, these are ways to have a physical presence through with a spiritual twist to it. Right. There's, that's, a re- that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. I'm starting to discover that a lot of religion is just sort of, uh, teaching people how to be more present in their bodies using religion and and metaphor and allegory. And then that was all twisted for power. Uh, But it's like, it seems like, you know, like what you're saying, like the Jesus prayer is about Jesus and like alms are about, you know, whatever, like they have these symbolisms, but it all comes down to being like practical teachings for a more present life. That's kind of what I'm starting to to get well, into. And, and I think that's a really good point because um, there, uh, I can't, I, I can't really speak for you know other religions, um, but there's a re- there was a really good sermon. I can't remember the priest who gave it. It was an Anglican priest who gave the sermon about Christ and his ministry, which Christ's ministry was quote being with end quote, and it if you go through the Bible. And yeah, the alleg- being with being with. Okay. And so, you know, when you look at Christ's actions, what he was doing was always just being with people. He was being with the, the, the sinners, the publicans, the, um, he was with the religious leaders in some sense. Sometimes he was being more aggressive with them than others, but he was being with people who were sick people who were, you know, the, the prostitutes, the, uh, the lepers, the, um, again, like I said, the publicans, these people who society at the time looked down upon, but he, uh, embodied a presence with them. And I like it. I really like what you just said, because it, it, it is true. I think that the deeper you get into a religious modality, the more you understand that it is teaching you how to be in your life. It's like trying to show you how to be in your heart and in your body. It's, it's unfortunate that like, well, actually maybe it's a good thing. Like so like the idea of somatic stuff is, is kind of becoming more contemporary, more popular. And I think an application of that in certainly westernized christianity will would help it so much because if if we treat this stuff so cerebrally we'll just end up going off into you know fantasy land or just becoming disassociated through religion which is not what we want um but that's how we end up getting like religious traumatization or church hurt and stuff um yeah or like uh, your own planet yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> or like weird cults that promise things that aren't existing. And so they're like, you're not really living. There's like, you know, there's this thing at the end of the rainbow, but it's like, no, we're at the rainbow, my man. This is it. That's, that's it. The kingdom of God is within you. I don't know why that's not written on everybody's church, but Christ said that. And like, this is where we're at. Um, yeah. But that's just the, that. So one thing that I've been kind of like a lot of this, you know, I, I, read a lot of more Zen kind of stuff uh, and like a lot of yoga stuff. And then on my own 
my own struggles with asthma and my own struggles with the my past and stuff like that, including my alcoholism, has made me realize that a lot of this stuff, like the kingdom of God is within you, or even when people are like manifest what you believe or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, your, the Buddha is within you, or there's like, you're, you are your own God, right. Which is something that like, you know, like Wu-Tang clan calls each other God because that's like part of what they believed, but also it was a step up from man. Um, and because that was a step up from boy, you know what I'm saying? So it was a reaction to racism and I'm starting to realize that like, it's all just, uh, semiotics. It's all just language that's saying the same thing from different aspects of the world. And when it all comes down to it, it's just in and out, in and out. It's just like yeah. breathing, being present and appreciating the existence that we have. And that, um, that's been really helping me deal with this like self-abandonment because it is confusing, right? Because everyone has their own little angle. And it's like when that song doesn't, isn't about me, I don't care. And so, so when you say the kingdom of God is within me, I'm like, Ugh. but if you were to say it any other way, that's just messaging. That's just advertising, baby. You know, <laughs> uh, I, Man, I I wish that I'll just I'll have to text it to you. Um, actually, I'll just find it right now. There's another quote that um, I think it's a quote that I think about quite a bit that goes off of what you um, you brought up from the Book of Five Rings. Let me see here. Um, I hope that I can find it really quick instead of wasting time. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm going to read this. It, it's pretty quick, but uh, it's a poem. Oh, thou that settest out upon the path, false is the phantom that thou seekest. When thou hast it, thou shalt know all bitterness, thy teeth fixed in the Sodom apple. Thus hast thou been lured along that path whose terror else had driven thee far away. O thou that stridest upon the middle of the path, no phantoms mock thee, for the stride's sake thou stridest. Thus art thou lured along that path whose fascination else had driven thee far away. O thou that drawest toward the end of the path, effort is no more, faster and faster dost thou fall. Thy weariness is changed into ineffable rest, for there is no thou upon that path. Thou hast become the way. Um, okay. Yeah. Lots of thou's in that one. That was thin. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, yeah, it's it's very King James-like. Uh, so. no, wait, wait, wait. I, got, I have something that kind of proves what I just said. Here's a poem that I shared literally today about very similar, uh, the similar content. It's called, what is now will soon be past. Just because you do it doesn't mean you always will. Whether you're dancing dust or breathing light, you're never exactly the same twice. Uh, See, brevity is the... You know, I was going to say, Jody's out here showing off with a short poem. After <laughs> <laughs> I just read this Melville poem. Sorry about that. That was Melville? No, no. It was... Uh... Oh. <laughs> 
pretty long. It's it's uh, it's pretty pedantic, but <laughs> it was. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to speak to our audience a little bit more, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if we have a lot of nows in this. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Maybe we'll get some evangelical Christians sometime who are just like King James only readers that'll Dude, appreciate a vow. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I you know we should bring some more poetry into this shit. You know that's how I started, right? That's how I used to be big into poetry when I was 15 and I used to do poetry jams all around Atlanta. That was my, that was my what? thing. You know that? I yeah. Feel like we've talked about this. Like you did poetry in college. I didn't know about your pre-college poetry days. Oh yeah. I used to drive all around Atlanta hitting up poetry jams. And then I, when I got into college, I started a poetry jam in Milledgeville at this coffee shop called Blackbird. And it was like, pretty successful. Um, we would have regularly like, you know, a hundred, hundred or so people show up for poetry in the middle of nowhere, Georgia. And there were all these like new poets that came in and these people from like, people would drive in from all around, um, mainly cause it was the, the closest city that had anything going on. And, um, yeah, I used to host that show and that's where I started, you know, making jokes on stage and getting a lot of stage work and stuff like that. Uh, and then I got fired because of my drinking <laughs> and I never really returned back to it. But yeah, a lot of this year has been me trying to return back to that kind of presence. And so bringing more poetry into the podcast would be tight. Yeah, let's do it. We, we, we got some, uh, we can get, get some Mary Oliver in here. Yeah. Um, that's very popular in yoga classes. Some Mary Oliver. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> Well, let's, uh, I kind of wanted to ask you, like, so we're hitting here, we're at, we're at the end of the year. Do you do resolutions or do you, do you have any sort of intentions for the next year or like any reflections on this last year? That's a good question. Um, I haven't thought about it and I, I, so on New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve, rather, um, someone asked me, what are your resolutions? And my, I feel like in hindsight, I feel kind of like a jerk about this. Um, it's like not the most fun guy, but I was just, I, I just said, you know, I would, I kind of feel like you should do that kind of stuff in March because there's no pressure about you like you wake up on Jan, like there's so many times where I said, I'm going to quit drinking New Year's Eve and then wake up hungover and I do the whole year again, the same. Um, and so I quit drinking in March because I thought like, there's nothing going on in March. There's no pressure about a holiday or there's no pressure about a resolution. And I was having, I was having dinner with, there was a priest at the table and he like interjected and he said, Oh, you know what that's called? That's called Lint. So, uh, you can just, you can just stretch it and just like, you know, set intentions through that. Um, and so I thought that, you know, that's, that's a good enough time as any, cause I've just been so sick for since like November 3rd that I haven't really thought about what the next year is going to look like. I've just been trying to make it to the next day. Well, um, January is how I got sober the first time. You what? Sober January is how I got sober the first time. I took the- how long was that? 30 days. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, I broke up with my another terrible relationship. 
and uh, was sober for 30 days. Um, oh no, I was, I was actually, I ended up being sober for, I want to say like five or six months. I think I ended up maybe longer, maybe even eight months. I remember I got to like the end of the year and I ended up relapsing because of loneliness. But yeah, that was the very first time I ever gave it a shot back in 2012. Well, with that success rate, do you have resolutions? <laughs> well, like I was saying, uh, more intentionality and being present. Mm. And I, you know, resolutions, there is like, there's like a weird uh, pressure. Mm. And a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to lose weight, um, which is just like, I think it's just, I think more it's, it's like about putting in more effort in the things that you want and changing habitual, like your, your, your habitual things that are killing you or like stopping you from being who you want to be. Yeah. And so a new year is always a good time to do it mainly because all of us are in this kind of renewed state and we all want to like, it's a good way to like find a community in that. Um, but it's, it's a little easier too, just because January here in Chicago, January, February, and March, like it's just so fucking, it's hibernation season. Yeah. It is so cold. So it's like, what else are you going to do but work on yourself? Read some books. Um, but yeah, I think my biggest one is going to be being more present, um, spending less time watching TV, more time reading, uh, doing, um, and I also really want to learn Spanish. So I'm going to like double down on learning Spanish. You and I can do it um, with each other because I'm taking Spanish this term. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we got that going for us already. SDS awesome. <laughs> well, uh, in, in the spirit of uh, Janice, the the God of looking back and looking forward. Um, the two-faced God? Yeah, yeah, the two-faced God. Yeah. Um, looking back on this year, like, do you feel, do you have anything that you want to, like, say is an accomplishment for you? Yeah. Um, you know, like I was saying, like, this year, I was fucking rock bottom again. I remember telling my therapist, that I was like, why did I get sober? Mm. Why am I doing this? I don't mm. feel like anything has changed. And I was almost to a point where I was like, I might as well start drinking again. Cause it like, I'm still living like a drunk. And, um, instead of doing that, I, <laughs> I started making more steps. Uh, I may, you know, I'm a big fan of lists. So I made a huge fucking list of things, not like things that I wanted to do, but I made some plans um, to, to like change something. So one was like, be a part of a bigger community. Mm-hmm. And I made a list on how that's done. And the biggest one that I think was so helpful was something my therapist said was, um, be aware of how you enter a room and the energy you bring when you enter a room, because that sets the tone of how people will interact with you. And I used to come into class, like jujitsu class with like my headphones on and all kind of like stoned and like in my head. And, uh, and I stopped doing that. And I started like making more of an effort to talk to people, uh, get to know people, um, joke around a little bit more, 
uh, open up a little bit more and like, you know, make more of an effort to recognize when people are trying to uh, connect with me, which I used to be like, Ew. Uh, like, what's wrong with you? You like me? What's wrong with you? Um, and so that's been something like now I feel very like nice in my sober community or in my, my jujitsu community, which is also part of the sober community. I've like mm. starting this podcast as part of that. Like, I think one of the biggest, the best things I've done this year is starting this podcast. And I think one of the things that has been so helpful of even start that even the thing that the, the catalyst for this podcast was me just going right into asking people what their biggest trauma is mm. because I, I started to realize that I was in so much pain that I needed to talk about it beyond just my therapist. And as I was talking to other people, I realized, Oh shit, everyone's in fucking terrible pain. And so they all want to talk about it, but we all don't want to talk about it because we feel like society doesn't let us. And so I've just been like rolling right into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I brought, I was, I brought that up to when I was like, I, when I was dating Leah, or I, I said that to her on our third date, I was like, so what's your biggest trauma? And then we stayed up all night talking about our traumas. And then we, her, she was reflecting about it and her with, um, and her bro- with her brother recently. And she told me this story that her, her brother was like, wow, what a great, way to like build something like what a great foundation and i feel like i kind of stumbled on that uh just because i needed to talk there was a time when i was like i remember i was like rolling with people and i'd be like oh yeah sorry i'm having a little asthma i learned it was a somatic response because of all the uh, the stuff that i suffered from as a kid and we only had like two minutes before the next roll and i'm like trying to get it all out and they're like okay buddy and (laughs) And um, I think that's helped. I've also been really doubling down on concentrating. I think um, um, upping my ADHD medication has been really helpful. I think addressing my ADHD in different ways has been really helpful. And um, really like focusing on the things that I enjoy. I feel like I kind of fell into jujitsu and yoga because I was trying to escape um the the bad relationship i had at home and i wanted to feel stronger and now it's something that i truly enjoy and i i feel like i've and so i around like six months ago i started just being like oh i want to get like really into this instead of like oh i'm gonna play a little guitar or i'm gonna do a little comedy i'm gonna do a little this i decided like no this is what i do this is who i am and this will define me and then I started dating and I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I do. This is who I am. This has defined me. And it was easier for me to not people please and not like change who I am. Like, you know, be a little chameleon. Like I used to be when I was a drunk, just so that they would like me because I was so desperate for that connection. It was easier for me to, to make better decisions on who would be better for my life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those are the biggest wins that I've had this year is bringing in this intentionality. And because of that, that's why I've, I've been thinking about self-abandonment on a molecular level, because now I'm finding it like, oh, I'm still doing that, but in these smaller moments, it used to be a bigger moment. And then I was like, 
making yeah. these huge leaps. But now I'm realizing that the devil is in the details. And so I got to get in there. I mean, God is in the details too. So I got to get in there and like, <laughs> and like figure out where the right adjustments and calibrations need to be for me to finally kind of get to this point where I feel happier, where I feel more comfortable. And, um, and I feel more confident in the way that I flow through the world. I saw this tweet once that said, the devil's in the details. God is in the details. Man, shit's going down in the details. <laughs> Think about it all the time. <laughs> what about That's true. you? That's true. <laughs> You've uh, had a crazy year, man. Yeah, it's been a wild one. I, uh, I, uh, I don't really know where to begin, but I, I think that in this time of there's a lot of good things and there's a lot of hard things that have happened this year. So it's, I'm in this like liminal place of December, January, what are we doing? Um, it feels, it feels good to kind of be on the other side of this year and also appreciating that there's still a lot to be done. Um, and you know, in kind of in terms of like this self-abandonment stuff, like in relation to this relationship that I'm in right now, um, it you that what what you said was really spoke to me about that question that you asked Leah on your third date because um, I'm in a relationship right now where a lot of stuff is coming to the head, but it's kind of really nice in this. We've talked about we talked about this before where you're in a relationship that is a healing one where yeah. all these wounds are opening, but they're opening so that they can heal. And, um, and just trying to be aware of that process and just let the process happen. And also just kind of recognizing like I'm making, I'm making great strides in where I want to go. Um, and where I, see myself in the future, which means that there's a lot of stuff that needs to be left behind. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the going back. I, it's, I, going back to what you were saying about self abandonment, letting things go is a part of that reconciliation with myself. Like I need to be able to look at myself and say, I'm doing this because I want, a, a future for you and that's why this is really painful but it's going to work out like some of your friends aren't going to be your friends in two years mm -hmm. five years ten years but what's going to happen is that you're going to have the life that i know that you can have um and so you know in in the meantime all, all these abandonment wounds have opened up and just kind of appreciating that this is healing and it sucks, but I wouldn't be able to get here if I hadn't gone through the past year, past two years of getting out of a bad situation, actually owning my self and trying and just i don't know building a life that's not based on resentment <laughs> just like resentment of yourself because of self-abandonment resentment of others because you put stuff onto them that you're not willing to take responsibility for 
Um, and just, I guess maybe this is like an intention to set, but just trying to cultivate agency in my life yeah. where I'm not reacting to things. I'm not, I'm not, nothing's happening to me. I'm, things are happening. Because of you. Because, yeah, because of me. Yeah, being the catalyst instead of just right, yeah. and that and that takes that takes a lot of doing up top because you got to like see like oh man, I really kind of messed up um, a lot. That like no one put a gun to my head and told me to be an asshole for ten years, um, and but being able to do that and just kind of going all right, well, let's not be a jerk for the next ten and see what happens, and don't put blame on everybody because you're too afraid of taking responsibility for your own actions. Um, and so I think that's where I kind of am right now, like really loving where I'm at, really loving who I am and who I'm becoming. And also just knowing that this is, a part of it, like part of the process. I'm not who I will be next New Year's Eve, but I'm making strides so that whoever that is, is going to be someone I can be proud of. Yeah. You know, uh, Asia, who was on the podcast earlier, yeah, uh, she, I was, she brought this up in yoga the other day. She said, uh, suffering is a blessing because it shows you what you need to discard or he shows you what you need to detach from. I think it was, or let go of suffering is a blessing because it shows you what you need to let go of. And um, I've been thinking about that a lot. And it's, it's like, you're saying it's like, it's, there's a lot letting go is part of self abandonment too. holding on to things that don't serve you is part of abandoning you. Right. Uh, abandoning yourself. And when you're suffering, it's like, okay, what do, like, you can't just say, woe is me. It's like, what do I need to let go of? And what do I need to change to, to fix this? Um, yeah. Yeah. Are you really, that, that's really the, the struggle. That's the, is about being present. It's about letting, standing up for yourself, being aware of what energies you bring into a room and, and allowing yourself to be the catalyst of moments instead of just sitting back and being this like commenting NPC, uh, like the, like the balcony Muppets of your own life. Um, which is what I did. I was just the balcony Muppets of my own life. I can't think of their name, but you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, uh, Waldorf or something. Yeah. Stradler, Strat, Stratler, whatever. But Stadler, what, yeah. Stratler. Yeah. Um, I, I I remember you made me think of this. I my I wrote in a Substack piece a while ago, and my friend texted it back to me because they thought it was good. So this is a humble brag, of course, but you made me think of this. Um, I wrote, "Suffering is understood as a product of sin, whereas it can also be associated with struggling to be free of sin," and that's kind of that's the idea in my head of like suffering is a part of the healing process. Like it, you can't really grow and you know, healing hurts a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so to be free of all these things, like in using Buddhist terms, like being free of attachment and, um, and, you know, the, 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 I guess the stuff that produces suffering, it, it requires you to let go of a lot and detach in a healthy way. Um, yeah. And Detach, disassociate. Yeah. 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 Well, I think the best blessing or one of the biggest blessings of this year was um, rekindling our friendship and starting this podcast together. This shit for real though. Extremely healthy for me and has been the, you know, the crux of a lot of my own healing and the building of my own community and bringing myself back into the spotlight outside of comedy. And like, it's, I think it's, I think it's helped a lot of people. I've had some people come up to me and tell me that it's been helping them. And that's, you know, that's such a great and relieving feeling. And I, that all, that's all based on just our friendship. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you. No, hey, thank you. Because remember, like, a little over a year ago, you reached out to me because I was um, spiraling. And that was like the beginning of us talking again. I think because you were sharing Jason Molina songs. Or you were sharing uh, the sad songs that I had on my like alcoholic playlist. Justin Towns Earl songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody was like liking it and going, that's such a good song. And you were the only person reaching out to say, are you okay? It was like one one is good, but I think you did like five in a row. Yeah, I posted I was, like the whole album on Instagram. My first year being sober. <laughs> yeah. So this like the whole year... It was it was such a good thing to um, for us to be talking again like this in general, just because um, I don't know. You just don't realize how lonely you are until you start talking to somebody and you go, "Oh man, I haven't haven't had this in a long time." Yeah, yeah, that was good. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, but that was like I think like. To, in in terms of self-abandonment, like the reason that I was, I think I was teetering on relapse um, and, you know, sharing that sub unconsciously trying to get someone to stop me, um, which is a weakness. That's not, that shouldn't be, I shouldn't be putting that on other people. I know that now, but in hindsight, there's, um, I think it was interesting because the reason that I was interested in listening to sad bastard music as a substitute for drinking was because I wasn't listening to myself and I was abandoning my intuition. I was abandoning my wants and my, uh, I don't know, the, like the life that I could have because I was still in that kind of people pleasing, um, lonely mode where I wasn't really owning who I was or owning who I w wanted to become. And so, uh, you know, being in that state was, was almost a catalyst for maybe not relapse, but definitely that spirally thinking. Um, yeah, that's why they drive in silence. They're listening to themselves. I, you, you solved the mystery for me. There it is. Wow. Well, I think that's a good place to, I think that's a full circle. 
<laughs> good place to end it. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you guys have a great new year. I hope you stay sober. If you're sober curious, keep on, keep on. Um, and, you know, don't abandon yourself. See you later. Later.